This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats. I just want to take a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the support of this podcast. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button and take a moment and fill out a review. It makes a whole lot of help in terms of growing and developing this podcast. Enjoy today's chat. Peace. Hey, this is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Jason Christ. Jason, where are you at, and what are you up to? <laughs> I'm in the mecca of Spring Arbor, Michigan, which is in south-central Michigan. Um, and in the off-season right now, man, just trying to make the the players here that, that are here better and get some fresh blood in for next year to, to keep us going in a good direction. What part of Michigan is Spring Arbor at? We're about uh, 30 minutes to the west of Ann Arbor and about 30 minutes to the south of Lansing. So right between the green and white and the maize and blue, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, right along I-94. And uh, how long have you been there? Uh, this last fall was my 23rd season. So I've been here a minute. You don't hear that very often where coaches stay for that long. What about Spring Arbor, I guess, one brought you there in the first place like what kind of stood out for you and why have you stayed there that long um well, i was a local high school player about five minutes from here uh spring arbor did not recruit me i was recruited by four or five like a handful of colleges one of those being western michigan which is a mac school about an hour from here um and initially thought i was going to go there and play soccer until the spring of my senior year uh and i came and worked out a couple times with the guys here at spring arbor even though i hadn't recruited me just to keep sharp, that kind of a thing. And um, kind of fell in love with the place, even though I said I would never come here as in my backyard. And the people here were a little bit different uh, than anywhere else I had visited or had been. Um, so I ended up calling the Western Michigan coach and telling him that I was um, thinking about attending Spring Arbor instead. And he understood he actually was a former coach here. So he was like, I understand, wish you the best. And I came here and was, I played for a couple of years, got married. My wife is from the area, got into coaching. Um, was offered the assistant job and was that for a year and then took the program over and I have never looked back. I've been, been right here the whole time. So what got you started with soccer? Were you one of those that picked it up as a youth or were you a late bloomer? How did soccer in Michigan come about for you? Yeah, I like this area is not a big club soccer area. We're about a, uh, an hour outside of Detroit, which would be, you know, a big club soccer area. Um, so the club soccer that I played was not a super high level. Our high school team was quite good. Um, and so uh, like both my graduating class and the one right underneath it was, there was a lot of talent. Um, so I had a good high school experience and the, the team made some good runs in the state tournament. Um, yeah, it's just something that I, I mean, I, I started at like age seven or eight and loved, loved playing and just, you know, it's something that's in your blood. Was there ever a part of you that saw, even as you were growing up, did you ever think, oh, coaching might be what, what I'd go into? Or what was it that kind of brought you into the coaching fray? Yeah, I had really no idea. Um, I played for a couple of years here and then um, kind of paused my college education, got married. My wife finished her school. And when she was done, I came back and and actually changed directions for my degree and picked up a, a education, a teaching certificate, teaching degree. Um, and that wasn't the plan initially. Uh, and so along with teaching comes coaching sometimes. Right. And I, obviously I was very passionate about soccer. I started coaching at the local high school, 
uh, on the boys' side. Uh, funny story, the, the guy I started coaching with was, he's actually my assistant now. This is my assistant coach at college, but I started coaching with him in high school back when I was 20, I was probably 22 or, you know, right, right out of college kind of a thing, coaching high school soccer. And then I picked up a girl's, a girl's job uh, at Western. So I was coaching at two rival high schools, one for boys, one for girls. Uh, and then had somebody ask me to do some club soccer, some premier soccer, got involved in that, started licensing, um, and then really picked up a passion and a love for coaching. Uh, actually love coaching way more than I ever loved playing. When you were doing the boys and the girls high school level, what what are differences that you had to go about? Like, I'm sure you had to change maybe your demeanor or how you went about things. What are some of the differences dealing with like males versus females? Yeah, I'm so much smarter now than I was then. <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know at that point. Right. And so um, just, yeah, I think that one of the things I love about coaching women is that they're very team oriented. Um, they're very team driven. Um there, there are some, there, there are challenges that are different than what the guys challenges have. Uh, but I think with women, communication is a big thing. Relationship is a huge thing. Um, you know, they generally speaking, women's players will run through a brick wall with you. If they're, if they know that you care and that you're invested and you're, you're invested in the relationship beyond just the soccer field. Right. Uh, whereas I think guys, it's a little bit different. Um, it's more, a little bit more managing ego. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I try to get every woman that I've coached probably through the years to, to shoot the ball or to be selfish. And every guy that I've ever coached, I try to get him to pass the ball and be less selfish. So like, it's totally a different mindset. Um, fun, both, both sides are fun, you know, but just very, very different for sure. You mentioned the, the assistant coach at the high school level and now with you, how cool has that been? How has your relationship with him kind of changed over those years? But not just because of the level that you've come up to, but when you look back at then and now, how have you both evolved? When I was a freshman in college, he was my senior captain. So he was three years older than I am. And he was the captain of the college team here at Spring Arbor when I played, when I first started. Um, and he was a very impactful person on me as far as like the way that he dealt with people and how he um, invested in relationships thought those things were really, really cool. Um, he was one of those guys that, um, that the young players could lean on and go to when they had problems. Um, so yeah, somebody that I, I value very much as a friend and as a, even it's weird, he's my assistant coach, but somewhat as a mentor, you know, like when I first started, he was, he was one of the guys that helped kind of fan the flames to get me going. Um, and so, and to work with him now in the capacity, I mean, he is one of the best in the business. Um, his name's Sam Alstead and uh, we've we won we just won our third national championship together he's he's just one of the one of the very best right hand men in the business and so i feel very fortunate to work with him what has it been like kind of staying in that area saying you only live 5 minutes away um what's it been like kind of seeing what you as a youth saw spring arbor as and now what it is now like just being a part of it is and being you know a part of the the environment i guess for so long now for sure. Um, it, yeah, again, like I said, I didn't plan to come, you know, it was every, every, I think every high school senior wants to get out of the area and move away from home and all that kind of stuff. But it was really the people that sold this place for me. Um, there, and I, we have great facilities here. Like we have a nice big enough place where not everybody knows your name, a small enough place where everybody will recognize you. Right. So like, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk and everyone's saying, Hey, how's your day? And it's a, it's really a genuine, authentic kind of place. That's one of the things that I, I love best about Spring Arbor. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities to leave, you know, through the years and move on to a bigger school, that kind of a thing. But that's really um, 
not something that I've been searching for. I, I really enjoy, I'm passionate about what I do here. I was just going to ask, so you've been there for 23 years, clearly having success at a high level. Is there a part, like, how do you keep that fire going? Like once you've reached the top, they always say it's hard to stay on top. How do you continue to like just reload and keep crushing it? Uh, one, it sounds like having an assistant coach next to you who's got that passion and energy and and what have you is awesome. But how do you keep doing it year in and year out? People. Um, I think that I'm somebody that is really passionate about people. And so when we're recruiting, we are obviously we're looking for talented players. Right. But um, that's just one screen we run our recruits through like our I really believe that the success that we've had here is all on the shoulders of the women that we've had. We've had fantastic people. And to be able to be to set standards for a culture and help um, help empower young women to like own a culture and invest in it. I think that's something that that's my that's a favorite thing about my job and to watch watch players grow, you know, emotionally and grow um, spiritually and academically and, and athletically while they're here. Where they arrive is so different than where they are when they leave. And that's the part that I'm really passionate about. The culture is, um, I think, a huge key to the success. How do you how do you gauge character like in the recruiting process? What, what is it questions you ask because you watch them during games or when they're on the sidelines, like the moments where they're not involved in soccer? How does one kind of get a gauge of, hey, this she might be a really good fit for Spring Arbor? Yeah, all of that. But also the the on-campus interaction, I think, is the most important part. So, yeah, I'm looking and I show up to games early or I might show up to a training session to see how they interact in a training session. We do all the things that all the standard coaches do. We stalk the social media and all that kind of stuff. But when they get to campus and because we're fortunate to have a really good culture that is, I think, very, um, I think the players are very protective of it. So when we bring players in, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to tell, right? Like they, they come in here and when a player comes, she'll know in 24 hours whether or not she fits. Like she'll either be like, those are my people, or she's going to be like, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. That is not for me. And our players the same way, right? Like they're, they're very interested in having teammates that are um, rowing the boat, so to speak, the same way that they're rowing the boat. And so they help do a lot of the screening for me. I, I lean on them pretty heavily. So I've heard culture, when you look way back 23 years ago and you took over the program, what were those like pillars or foundational things you were trying to create, maybe even just beyond culture? Yeah, I think that was a learning, like a, like a learning process, right? I'll be real honest with you. The first thing I did when I got here was to go out and try to nab all the best players I could get. And I put zero weight on anything that they would bring to the program outside of the lines. Um, that was not a good recipe. Didn't serve me well over the first couple of years. Not that the team wasn't having success because we had some good players and we had some success, but it was a lot of work behind the scenes. There's a lot of other things going on, you know, that were um, – that sucked some of the joy out of it, I guess. Right. And so I figured out pretty early on that I needed to get people in here that were not just passionate about playing soccer, but also passionate about building something together, like cooperatively. Right. And so I think what I shifted my kind of shifted my focus away from the what, and I shifted it on to the who, the how, and the why. And once we kind of got those things prioritized, and we started like making that live itself out inside of our recruiting and inside of our day to day culture in here. Things became really easy. Um, you know, we're focused on the people and we're focused on the process, how we do the process and why we do the process. And if we focus on those things. The what takes care of itself. Has that 
self-reflection and the ability to admit as a coach that maybe I went the wrong route, has that been, was that difficult to do? Or is that something you were like, this is like, you talk about processes. Was that something you like knew going in? It's not going to be all perfect, like roses and flowers at the beginning. It's going to have some bumps and what have you. Yeah. I mean, I think back to some, I mean, cultures change so much, right. In the 20 years that I've been here, I think back to some of the moments as a young coach and I just, I can't believe, you know, some of the mistakes that I made. Um, and I think that's a lot of young coaches would probably say that it's definitely, it's definitely a process. And I didn't have that stuff figured out early on. And I think it's, you know, it took me, I would say it even took me seven or eight years to really get those things like etched in stone, like really know what I was looking for and what I wanted to build. Um, and then I think the final layer of that is just the last piece of it is just the empowerment of the players. Like, allowing that allowing this to be theirs and this is not mine and it's not sam's this is the players program and they own it and they own the culture they build the culture they maintain the culture the standards like those things very rarely do i have to push on the on the field for a work rate thing or um a met even a mental engagement standard like if if something's not being met the upperclassmen are all over that stuff. Like I just, I, I just smile and watch them deal with it. <laughs> and so I think that took a really long time to build it that way. And I think you need players that are willing to, you know, to, to grow in that kind of a way. Um, but when you're a young player and you see it being lived out for you, and then you all of a sudden, you know, you're no longer a freshman. Now you're a sophomore and then you're a junior and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's my turn to drive the car. And it just kind of is a natural progression down through the ranks. When you look back, not only has your coaching changed in that in the 23 years, but what about the players? Like, I think back to that, that's like 2000, 2001. There wasn't a whole lot of internet and Snapchats and all this type of stuff. And just the way the kids are now, they're so much better athletically and their skill is so high. Um, what have you seen kind of during your two plus decades, the, the development of players, I guess, overall? Yeah, I think players are a lot more complicated now than what they were, you know, 15 years ago um, for a lot of reasons, social media being one of them, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know if you, I'm, I know you live in the Twitter world. So like all of a sudden, in the, I would say in the last five years, recruiting has really spilled into Twitter. And so everything's a brand, right? Like every, every recruits out there trying to make a brand. And um, I am keen on that. I understand that our brand has a, a place in the market as well. Um, and as a harsh reality, I have to live in that world a little bit. It's not my favorite. Um, you know, I, I just want 18, 17, 18, 19 year old kids to be kids and they're, they're out there kind of, you know, having to promote themselves as a product or as a brand. I think that's a tough ask of a kid that age because they're going to mess it up mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. They're 17, 18, 19 years old. They're going to mess those things up. And so I think it's a, um, they're a lot more complicated and how you communicate with them has to be a lot more intentional. Um, there are a lot of people that are very uncomfortable on a phone these days. So, you know, you almost have to set an appointment to have a call kind of a thing. So I always text first and, Hey, are you ready to call? I'm going to call in 15 minutes, you know, so that they're prepared because otherwise if you catch them off guard, they might not answer. Or if they do, it might get kind of awkward. So it's just a different day and age. The other thing that you brought up was so halfway through college, you're playing and then you get married. What how impactful and has your wife been in this whole scheme of soccer? Everybody sees Coach Jason and he's doing his thing and they're crushing it. But there's always that other side. That's the going home and the other person that's supporting you. 
what what impact and what has she meant in terms of your legacy that you're building there? Yeah, I think um, you can't be successful in this profession if you're married without just a saint as a spouse. Like she's a saint. And uh, I think it was the last year, two years, or maybe it was maybe it was last time, not the last national title, but the one before she made a, a social media post and it was like, I am a soccer widow. That's how it started. And <laughs> she's, and that, that's the farthest thing from the truth. Like she's everywhere that we are. Right. But, but it is a, it's a bit of a lifestyle. You know, my kids have grown up on campus, um, which is a really cool thing. Um, but it's also really a unique thing. Um, she's, she's great. Um, does not sit on the home side of the stands, sits in the visiting side. Um, which I think is really interesting. And I asked, I'm like, why, you know, why do honey, why don't you sit in the home stands? And she's like, well, if somebody, you know, if somebody's kid's not playing, I don't want to hear about you. <laughs> she's like, I want to, you know, I want to be over the visiting side. And she said, besides then I can hear what they're saying about you. And I can bring that back to you. And I'm like, that's great. Both sides of the stands are like tearing me up during the game. That's great. <laughs> so you mentioned your kids. Is there a chance or a part of you that will end up coaching them as they grow up and get older? Yeah, so I have coached both of them at one point. Um, my daughter is now, she runs track, um, and she's also pretty artistically talented, and she's in the band and the choir and all that kind of thing. So didn't really go down the soccer route. My son, also, he played travel soccer, um, but decided not to play in high school. He is an avid and talented wrestler. So um, his wrestling season is at near the end right now, so he's had a really – really good sophomore year. He was a freshman on the varsity last year. So then neither one of them are soccer junkies. They've grown up around the game. I think um, my son enjoys it, but he plays to be with his friends kind of a thing. It's not, it's not what drives him. And I don't pretend to understand why he loves wrestling. I don't pretend to understand that, but, but I love watching him. I love watching him wrestle. <laughs> that was going to be my next question is now that you get to see like your daughter perform or do her art or run track or your, your son doing wrestling, how cool is it to be, on the other side of things versus I'm coaching, coaching, coaching. And now to be able to sit back and enjoy watching your kids do their thing. Oh man. I, it's so fun to be a dad. It's like one of my favorite things in the whole world to be able to unplug and just not coach. Um, whether it's, yeah, whether he's wrestling, I think wrestling is super unique because there's just it, uh, his wrestling coach would say it's like a, there, it's a man building sport. Like there's no one to blame when things go wrong. It's on you. Right. And so I love that for his personal development. Like, I think it's developed him a lot as a person. I just love sitting in the stands and watching him go um, for for Samara. Um, her interests are a little bit different, but she's super, super talented. Um, like I said, it's just a, a way for me to unplug and not be on um, and just enjoy being a dad and not being a coach. Um, and I think sometimes if I tiptoe up to that line with one of them, they'll let me know, you know, <laughs> They'll be like, Dad, my son knows more. I mean, I wrestled up till like high school. I'm like, he's way beyond me. He used to race race dirt bikes, and I I grew up riding dirt bikes too. And and he's like, Dad, I'm like way better than you ever were. I'm like, you are correct, son. Like, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy watching you do it. You mentioned kind of de-stressing a little bit or just turning off and not being so locked in. What are things that like as you as a head coach, how do you I mean, when you go through and win a national championship? That's a lot of games beyond just the regular season. Like you're, you're crushing and crushing. What, what does Jason do to like, I just got to get away and I've got to like turn my soccer brain off or does it ever turn off? Um, it does. And I think as I've gotten older, I've learned how to manage it better. It used to be that I couldn't really turn it off. And I was 
24 seven, you know, going, if I wasn't, if we weren't playing, I was recruiting all the time and I've learned to be more strategic about how I go about the, the job hours. I love to golf. Um, so I play a lot of golf in the, in the summer. I have a couple of buddies that we play. I play every Monday night and then we play a couple other times throughout the week. So I do a lot of that. Um, my family has a cottage in Northern Michigan, which is beautiful. If you've never been to Northern Michigan, I highly recommend it. So I spend time up there, you know, fishing or hanging out, riding the trails on the, on the bikes with my son. Um, but yeah, time away from the game, I think is really, really healthy. It makes me a better coach when I'm more balanced. The other thing I was going to ask is what about those teams that were national champions? What about them? I mean, I've heard like culture and they must've got along really well, but what, when you look back and you say, well, that team, there was, what was the maybe it factor that they had when you look back or was it different for each one? The NAI is really unique. Um, it is, I would say like the recruiting rule book for the NCAA is like this thick and for the NAI, it's like this thick. So you can, there are a lot of coaches that can get into the gray areas and get players in that would not be NCAA eligible, usually foreign players. So usually internationals, right? So what we're talking about, there's like the professional rule, right? So if you're, whether you have amateur status or professional status in the NAI, you see a lot of 23, 24, 25 year old players that are imported pro players, more or less. What we have built here is built with 18 to 22 year old Michigan players. Um, we don't have our university's not really set up to do a lot of internationals. Um, so I think that our 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 go to our mojo has always been the culture piece. One of the things that I have found out through experiences when we get deep into the playoffs, <clears throat> it's very likely, it's very often that we're going to be playing a team that is comprised highly internationally, right? When and because those teams are often brought in from different parts of the world, they're um, they tend to be a bit more individual in mindset, right? So when things start to go bad and they get punched in the mouth, the wheels oftentimes come off. Whereas our our players are um, really of one mind and of one com like a common mission. So when things get tough, they tend to like pull together rather than fall apart. Um, and I, I think that has served us really well in the tournament runs that we've had. There's always inside those runs, there's always moments that uh, of adversity, right? And how your team responds to the, those moments of adversity often will determine whether or not they keep playing. And so I think that our players have been very mentally tough through the years. And a lot of that is due to the, the team culture that's been built. Is there a kind of a, a like Michigan versus everyone else kind of vibe? If you're taking like, Everyone knows, I'm assuming the girls probably know each other from travel soccer or from playing in high school or, or what have you. Is there kind of a, a, a collection? Because kind of like you said, instead of being a group from all over the place, we're mostly centralized here in Michigan. And it's, we, let's do this for Michigan type of feel. Yeah, we are a little bit more diverse um, now than we were, say, five, six years ago. Uh, we have a goalkeeper from New Zealand, which was like, a, that was a first thing for us. Like we didn't. We've had some Canadian players, but not a lot of international players. Our men's side has a lot of international players, but we have not. Um, but I would say that, yes, especially with the first two national championships, those were built on the backs of West Michigan players. A lot of those players knew each other. They played in the either they played for competing high schools in the same club. We pulled a bunch of them out of the same club or they played um, at the same. We had, we had at one point, I think, seven or eight players from the same high school on our roster. And um, they were, it was a very talented group of people. I mean, a special group of people. One of them now is actually 
plays for uh, OL Reign in the NWSL, uh, Bethany Balser. And she was she was the first NAI player ever to sign a contract in the NWSL. And then she's been capped with the national team a couple times now. So um, it, she was part of that core, um, all from Unity Christian in Grand Rapids, which is a, a small Christian school in Grand Rapids, but really, really talented group of people. So I think at one point, yeah, we definitely had that like, or they, in Michigan, they say Detroit against everybody, right? Detroit versus everybody, but Michigan versus everybody for a while. So when I got the first like international player or two, there were some, I got a couple phone calls for like, coach, like what's going on? Like what happened to Michigan versus everybody? And so, yeah, I think we've evolved a little bit through the years, but um, definitely a lot. We're fortunate to live in a state where there's really great girls soccer here. Like the level's really high. So very fortunate for that. When you were like, even in your uh, youth, teenage years, going through high school and stuff, were you always one that was kind of step up and be a leader in situations, like maybe even when you were playing? Um, or has this been kind of that leadership role has been something you just kind of have picked up and have, like you've talked about developing even from the first seven or eight years at uh, Spring Arbor? Were you always one that was kind of like, hey, I'll take care of this. Hey, come here, guys. Let's do this, this and this kind of person. Um, I would say no, I'm a big picture thinker. Um, so I like, I need to surround myself with people who are good with details. That's kind of, I mean, I know who I am as a, as a leader. Uh, I think I've really grown into that. Um, and I still think, I think to this day, you know, the more I read a bunch and I don't think you ever stop growing as a leader. I think that's something that if you want to be good in leadership, you have to continue to stretch yourself. Um, so I, I think that it is something that I've learned along the way, um, painfully sometimes, right? Like make, making mistakes and, learning what not to do through doing it and having it go badly for you. Um, I've done a bunch of that. Uh, and I try to get my players to be excited about that quality in themselves, right? Like understand that you're here to be better as a soccer player. We're here to try and win national championships and to be the best we can be together. But also you're here to develop as a person. And when you leave the, when you leave this campus, I want you to be prepared to go lead a sales team or to go to be a leader in your field, whatever, you know, if you're a, whatever you're a floor nurse or you're a PA or whatever you might be like, to be able to work with a group of people and to stand out and to help them find direction. When you look at the spring going into what, what does an off season look like for you, for you all? Do you take a break off? Do you get right back to it after your, you know, the, the required break and then do you have spring season and, and what does spring Arbor do to prepare to make another run? Yeah. So we will, if, if, if season goes well, we'll finish in the first week of December. So First week of August is when we start. First week of December is hopefully when we finish. That would be the final site of the national tournament. Um, and the girls get the holidays off. Like we send them home and they watch Netflix and eat junk food and do all that. And they come back in January and we put together a futsal league for them. They do that. That's on their own. Like I'll buy a back, like kind of a box of Nike gear and we'll split up some teams evenly. And they play to the death because everyone wants gear, right? So they they do that during January and we're not involved that much in February. We like so now where we're at now, um, we're back in the weight room, um, fitness testing, explosion and all that kind of stuff, working on that kind of thing. And then uh, balls usually come out. Well, last week we started training with balls again. So like um, now we're working on in the fall. We don't get as much time to work on individual players because we're just trying to get a group product out there. In the winter, we're really breaking people down individually and trying to make them better as individuals so that they can serve the collective better. So that's where the kind of the mode that we're in right now. We do get to play in the spring. We have three dates. Generally, um, generally not NAI opponents. Um, anything from like 
Grand Valley's up the road an hour and a half, right? So there's they've got whatever four or five D two national championships. Play those guys. Play Fair State, who was a Final Four team in Division Two um, last last fall, two falls ago, and then mid majors. So you know whether it be Ball State or IUPUI or IPFW or whatever. If you're within a couple hours of us, that's the kind of competition we're trying to seek out in the spring so that we can be better for fall. You mentioned culture throughout and people hear that and they say, Oh, we are all about culture building. What does that even, what's that look like is in kind of maybe two or three ideas of what you all do, what builds that culture. It doesn't, you can't just say it and it happens. What things do you guys kind of put in place? Yeah. For us, I think culture involves ownership. Right. And so like, developing uh, an atmosphere where players really own their own experience and both their successes and their failures. Um, and I, I think that that is a, like, it's a day-to-day process. And, um, and a lot of times it's a lot of conversations with players, right? Like, all right, well, this didn't work. Why didn't it work? You know, how can we do it better next time? Um, you know, and resisting the urge or helping them resist the urge to point a finger somewhere else. Um, and kind of own their part in the process. The same thing when when things are going well, right? Like, hey, this worked really well. This is why it worked really well. Here was your part in it, right? So let, let's apply this to across the board in more areas of your game or in more areas, areas of your life. I think just like developing that kind of a thought process is a, a big start to the kind of character and the kind of culture that we're trying to develop is like, there's nobody else that I can blame for my success or for my failure, except unless I have, address myself first. Um, and so I think that happens just through conversation and through in every, it touches everything, you know, whether it's a training piece, right. If we, and I don't, again, I don't have to say these things anymore because I, our leadership does a great job with it, but if somebody is kind of transferring blame, they usually get called out here, right? Like, nope, that's not okay. Like that one was on you get the next one. Right. And, and how you communicate those things is important. Or when something really good happens, Hey, that's on you. Like you made that happen. Good work. And I just think like giving the players ownership over their role on the team and then even taking that a step farther and applying it to leadership. Right. So like my kind of my leadership group inside the team, um, you know, we, we meet once every couple of weeks. We talk about what's working, what's not working, um, where there might be problems in the team or things that potholes we might need to navigate. I think a lot of it's just intentional conversation and relationship building. When you're at a university, as long as you have been, I'm assuming you mentioned at leadership and even administration. I'm assuming that has changed quite a bit since your time there. What's it like in terms of developing relationships with those that are running the university? Like what's that experience like to kind of get them to buy in, to get their support? Uh, what has your experience been? Um, I'm assuming going through multiple, you know, people that are leading the, the university. Yeah, we've been, I've been through a couple presidents and a few ADs um, in my time here. I'm actually one of the assistant athletic directors here. Um, it, it can be, I mean, because everybody's got a little bit different style, leadership style, right? And so finding, um, finding the sweet spot with whoever is, is leading the ship is a really important thing. Um, what is it that they want from me? What is it they want from our programs? You know, uh, how do we play a piece in enrollment? We're a small school, right? So like we have to help with enrollment. All of our sports do. Like, what does that look like? Um, how do we advocate for like um, proper budgeting with inflation and all that kind of stuff? Like, how do we advocate for that, but to do it responsibly? And, and it's like all of those things um, fall under underneath leadership style and how people need to be approached. Um, I think that's an area of my professional growth that has happened probably 
a lot in the last 15 years is just learning how to navigate people, right? And emotional intelligence and how to read the room and all that kind of thing. Um, it's been, it's unique and it's fun. Um, small school athletics, I think there's so much to be offered. Um, and there's things that I could do here that I could never do at Michigan State. Um, or I, I can't do, I couldn't do a ball state or somewhere like that. So that's, what's kind of kept me here is the community. And I think our leadership here has been, they provide a great community. You mentioned being the assistant athletic director. How has that helped kind of with the coaching where you're getting to be in the mix in different ways from just, just soccer. Now you're dealing with some other coaches, other, you know, sports, all that type of stuff. How has that kind of helped? maybe give you a, you talked about being a big picture person. How has that helped for you and your coaching? Yeah. I think anytime that you can expand the lens that you look at things through, like get perspective on things, I think it's helpful to you as an individual. I think that's what that has provided for me the most is like, um, I used to be the sports information director, so I handled all the media. Um, so I've, you know, I've been on the other side of the podcast here asking the questions and <laughs> I've called my share of basketball games and taken photos for things. I've done all that social media stuff. So I get that piece of things, but I would say administratively, like just um, being the good communication link between administration and coaching staffs. Coaches are, we're an interesting group. Like we're the kind of the kings of our domain, right? Like, and so we have our thing and we're trying to build our thing, but how do you blend that into a bigger department, right? How do you make that a piece of a bigger team? And then how do you make that team a bigger part, a bigger part of the campus as a whole? I think those are things that I have I have learned through being involved in administration that are um, that you don't think about day to day if you're a coach, right? You're just thinking about how oh, well, this is how I build my team, and this is a, you don't really think about how your team fits into the next level up and how that level fits into the next level up, and so those are things in professional development that have been um, that I've enjoyed learning in the last decade or so. How do you go about not becoming like too result oriented? Meaning like you're having success and having three NAIA championships and people always looking at that. Like, I know you talked about like the ultimate goals. I'm creating young ladies that when they go out into the real world are going to crush it. How do you keep it even just for them? So it's not just like, like, let's say for instance, next year, we don't win a championship. How do you keep that perspective of like, look, ladies, you're still doing awesome. If, if that makes sense, like be a perspective. How do you keep it all, um, under under wraps in a way. Sure. So I talked a little bit earlier about the who, the how, and the why. So and I think we've talked about the who a little bit and the how a little bit, but Spring Arbor is a Christian campus. And so our why here is to be excellent because we feel like we're, we're Christ calls us to be excellent. And so like we're, we try to keep that at the center point of everything that we do. Um, and we try not to think about, um, you know, we try to stay very process oriented with what we're doing. And uh, the process is what produces the results. And sometimes you can have the perfect process, have a great process. You still don't get the results. So when you start like thinking about it in terms of um, as, you know, a result or a trophy or like, I think that it diminishes it for some. And then also it, it makes it, um, there are things that are outside of your control that you can't control about those things. So if you, what you can control is the process and you can control your why. And so if we get enough people in here that uh, we get the who and the how right, and then we've got the why at the center, then we're, we're set up for success. And more often than not, we're going to be in the hunt at the end. Um, doesn't mean that we're going to win it, but we're going to give ourselves an opportunity to do that. I actually had somebody approach me at the beginning of the year this year and say, hey, you're going to win your next national championship this year. And I'm like, player, I think players get worn out hearing that because I think it puts pressure, it puts stress on them, it puts pressure on them. 
Um, we don't think about those things at all. We don't talk about them in the locker room. It's not that it's like taboo not to talk about it. We just, we just don't, it's not what we're focused on. And so by taking the focus off of the piece of wood, you might hold up at the end of the season and putting it on something that's greater. I think it relieves a lot of the anxiety from the players. So you've been there for two plus decades. When we look forward, maybe another 10, another 20 years, uh, or if you're even looking that far, what, what does Jason kind of foresee? Like, what do you want to continue to do with the program in terms of like, it's developed a ton in the time from back in the day to now, where, where do we go from here? What, how do you continue? Like I've know I've talked about like, how do you keep staying at that level, but where do you hope to kind of continue to get this program at? I just want to keep impacting people. Like that's, that's honestly what I'm passionate about. It wouldn't matter if I was selling cars or, you know, coaching soccer, I'm passionate about like having an impact on people and trying to help them become better, um, not make them better, try to help them become better, have help them help themselves become better. That's what I'm, I'm passionate about. I think that's what we've been focused on as a staff. Um, but in that, you know, soccer is a piece of that, right? Like trying to get them to be the best player that they can be, but not just limiting our impact on the people to that. Um, so regardless of what I'm doing or, um, you know, if I'm here 10 more years or I retire from me, I, you know, I don't really think about that stuff. The day that I can't impact people, or I feel like I'm not impacting people probably the day that I leave my keys on my desk. Um, so that's what I'm passionate about. I know that's what my assistant's passionate about. Our staff is passionate about those things. Um, and it's led us to great success, I believe. And so we're just going to continue to focus on those. It seems like the communication loop is really big for you, like with the players, with your coaches, um, has that been something that's been really good for you and probably with your wife as well in terms of like, Hey, Jason, you need to slow down or how good are you? I guess I'm asking and taking that feedback if it positive and negative, how, how has that been as a coach? I think sometimes we think we got everything right. And you've talked about, you may make some mistakes, which is easy when you get it, but what's it like when maybe a player comes off and says, Hey, this isn't working tactically, or I need to go help this or she, we need to flip her or et cetera, whatever. Um, or even your assistant says, hey, Jason, we need to look at this. How how has that been in terms of your development? Um, those are the moments that I think, I mean, I'm going to assume that it's everything's in a respectful manner here, right? So no one's <laughs> going to come off and tell me that I'm stupid or I can't see anything. But those are the moments as a coach that excite me the most because as I want that, like I, I would want a player to have the courage and the belief in their, in their self to come up and have that, that conversation with me and to say that. Um, so the first thing that I would respond with, I'd probably just put my, put my arm around them and be like, man, I'm proud of you for like, I know that's hard to say. I appreciate you saying it. Let's talk about it. You know, like I am far from, like I said, at the beginning, this is not mine. Um, it's really not, it belongs to the players and it belongs to God. And so I'm just here to be a steward of it and to try and, um, water the plant as the best I can and try to make it into the best thing that we can make it into. And so, um, I know that um, that requires others, that requires the players, it requires my staff. And so I am very um, open and hopefully very receptive to those things when they say them. Um, maybe they would feel there. Maybe you should bring Sam on and see if he feels differently. I don't know. But I, I would like to think I am at least. The other thing that was going through my head as soon as you were like, yeah, we're up in Michigan and all that is how do you sell I guess since you got quite a few Michiganers coming there, but how does one make that recruit sell of, Hey, it's going to be really freaking cold and there's a lot of snow and you were talking about doing futsal and like having to walk, like once we're inside, it's nice, but I have to get there. 
Yeah. Is that just like another mindset thing of like the, the ones that come we know are in and they're going to deal with it? Or how does one kind of, I don't know, how you how do you sugarcoat it? Michigan has four beautiful seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does. But but no, man, we, you know, we we definitely will occasionally run into the the athletes that are like, no, I'm going to go play at the beach. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to Palm Beach to play. That's where I'm going to play in college. And like, I understand that. I think that's a bigger deal probably with international players because if they're not very familiar with the states, you know, they just, you know, out West California, they know California, they know Florida. Um, like those are areas that they're looking to target the Southern part of the Southern part of the country, that kind of a thing. But um, it's nothing that the Michigan players all get it and understand it. So there are a few that flee, but um, most of them are, it's normal. It's life for them. Right. And so we're, we've been blessed today. It's like yesterday was like 50. And so like we're last two days, we've been training outside. You don't see 50 in February here very often. So um, we've been training outside tonight. We'll be inside because it's a little colder. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of global warming, but it does help Michigan a little bit. <laughs> the last thing I'll ask is what is the, what is the experience? What's some of the things that you love about the NAIA experience for a player that's maybe looking and saying, you know, I see it, but I don't, I see NCAA and I see division one, division two, and I see Juco. Like where does NAIA fit into that? And like you even talked about one of your young ladies is now playing at a, at the professional level. Uh, what's one of the draws? What's the nice, like one of the things that's a great fit for a player that's maybe looking right now. One of the things that I was really blessed with several years ago was the opportunity to lead uh, a UWS team, which is the second tier for women. Um, you know, they've got teams all across the country and the sister school is, or the sister league is the USL. Um, so yeah, you know, on that team, I had everything from a few of my players at Spring Arbor to, um, I had a bunch of Michigan state players. I had Zoe Morris, who was with the Chicago red stars is now overseas. Um, she played at Virginia. We had some players out of South Dakota, like major division one players from across the country came into Lansing for the summer and played and they played mixed in with my players. And I learned some things. First thing that I learned was that the players that I was coaching were, were top shelf, top level. Um, first thing we did was a fitness test and three of my players won it. And I'm like, all right, like these are schools that have fitness coaches and strength coaches and like they're tested weekly. And I'm like, our players are at that caliber athletically. The other thing that I learned um, is that we can provide a very similar, a different but similar experience from a, a soccer standpoint. So like we don't have a football team here at Spring Arbor. We don't have that. We, we do soccer in the fall. It's what we do. So because I got to coach those players, I got to spend time over at, you know, at Michigan State's field. And I got to see what they look like in the fall and how many fans they play in front of and what that's like, what DeMartin's like when they play the, the stadium. And as I compare that to what we have here at Spring Arbor, we compare very favorably. Like, I, I mean, we had the soccer culture from the soccer culture. It's, very normal for our players to play in front of a thousand people. Like it happens all the time. Um, it's packed out in here. We have a great setting for it. So, I, you know, the divisions to me, I think there's fantastic soccer at every division from junior college to, you know, Messiah and division three is fantastic. They're, it's a D one program. Um, you know, division two, you've got grand Valley and some other schools that are just their division one programs. I would say the NAI is very similar. People would be super surprised if they took our top 10 teams like if you took our team and dropped us into the MAC, where Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, those teams are, we would be in the top third of that league. Like it's a it's a very high quality of soccer. So 
once you can get recruits to understand that, it usually involves a visit and it usually involves an opportunity to train. And once they've trained, they're like, oh, right. And okay, like I can see that the quality is here. Or we bring them into a game um, and they get to see that the, it's packed out and what the atmosphere is like. And, they're, and they compare that with the visits that they take to Fair State or to Grand Valley or to Michigan State or whatever. Um, and, and that helps us be competitive. Because in addition to those things, we can offer a campus where people are going to genuinely invest in them, care about them. Um, it's not going to be just business. You know, if you don't produce on the field, we're not going to pull your scholarship. Like, that's not how that works. Um, when we when we make a, a commitment to you, we make a commitment to you, and we're going to develop you as a person. If I swing and miss on a player, that's on me. That's not on the player. So that's how we look at it. And I think that um, because we can offer a pretty high quality product, that puts us in the talks with kids that are Division One players. I have absolutely loved this chat. That's a perfect way to shut this thing down. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Jason Christ, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.